1: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Boyd Group Services, Inc. third quarter 2020 results conference call. Listeners are are reminded that certain matters discussed in today's conference call or answers that may be given to questions asked could constitute forward-looking statements that are subject to risk and uncertainties relating to Boyd's future financial or business performance. Actual results could differ materially from those anticipated in these forward-looking statements. The risk factors that may affect results are detailed in Boyd's annual information form and other periodic filings and registration statements, and you can access these documents at Cedar's database found at CDAR.com. I'd like to remind everyone that this conference call is being recorded today, Wednesday, November 11th, 2020. I would now like to introduce Mr. Tim O'Day, President and Chief Executive Officer of the Boyd Group Services Inc. Please go ahead, Mr. O'Day.
2: Thank you, operator. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's call. On the call with me today are Pat Pathapati, our Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer, and Brock Bulbuck, our Executive Chair. We released our 2020 third quarter results before markets open today. You can access our news release as well as our complete financial statements and management discussion and analysis on our website at boydgroup.com. Our news release, financial statements, and MD&A have also been filed on CDAR this morning. On today's call, we will discuss the financial results for the three- and nine-month periods ended September 30, 2020, provide a general business update, and discuss our long-term growth strategy. We will then open the call for questions. As was expected, the third quarter of 2020 continued to be significantly impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic although the impact was less severe than we experienced in the second quarter. We continue to focus on health and safety practices, such as contact-free customer drop-off and pickup, enhanced vehicle and facility cleaning practices, social distancing, and wearing of personal protective equipment to keep our employees and customers safe. We continue to follow key practices that include deep cleaning facilities where an employee with a potential or confirmed case of COVID-19 is identified, as well as defined processes for quarantine and testing in situations of potential exposure to help prevent the spread of the virus. During the third quarter, we recorded sales of 508.3 million, adjusted EBITDA of 84.5 million, and net earnings of 21.1 million. Sales at 508.3 million, showed a 10.3% decrease when compared to the same period of 2019. This reflects a $22.7 million contribution from 68 new locations. Our same-store sales, excluding foreign exchange, decreased by 15% in the third quarter. Same-store sales declines in Canada continue to be significantly higher than same-store sales declines in the U.S., which reflects the continued slower economic reopening in Canada when compared to the U.S. Foreign exchange increased sales by 3.6 million due to the translation of same store sales at a higher U.S. dollar exchange rate. Gross margin was 47.2% in the third quarter of 2020, compared to 45.3% achieved in the same period of 2019. The gross margin percentage improved as a result of higher labor margins, primarily due to the recognition of the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy of approximately $3.9 which more than offset the incremental COVID-19-related labor costs. Labor margins were also positively impacted by prudent cost controls, such as a cautious approach to bringing back resources as revenue grew in the U.S. The gross margin was positively impacted by a favorable mix of higher margin retail glass sales and normal variability in DRP pricing. Operating expenses for the third quarter of 2020 were $155.5 million, or 30.6% of sales, compared to 31.7% in the same period of 2019. The decrease as a percentage of sales was impacted by the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy as well as lower wages as a result of temporary layoffs and reduced management compensation. Boyd took a cautious approach to bringing back resources as revenue grew, which resulted in lower Q3 expenses, but is not sustainable. While many operating expenses were managed in relation to the decline in sales, certain expenses could not be reduced, such as property taxes and utility costs, which increased as a percentage of sales. Adjusted EBITDA, or EBITDA adjusted for fair value adjustments to financial instruments and costs related to acquisitions and transactions, was $84.5 million, an increase of 9.2% over the same period in 2019. The increase was primarily due to improvements in gross margin percentage. In addition, adjusted EBITDA in the third quarter benefited from the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy in the amount of $9.9 million. However, it should be noted, as is the objective of this program, we continued to employ and incur costs for employees that would otherwise have been laid off or furloughed at absent the subsidy. Net earnings for the third quarter of 2020 was $21.1 million compared to $14.8 million in the same period of 2019. Excluding fair value adjustments, And acquisition and transaction costs, adjusted net earnings for the third quarter of 2020 was $21.8 million, or $1.02 per share, compared to adjusted net earnings of $20.7 million, or $1.04 per share in the same period of the prior year. The decrease in adjusted net earnings per share is primarily attributable to a higher number of weighted average shares in 2020 due to the equity offering completed in the second quarter of this year. For the nine month period ended September 30th, 2020, we reported sales of 1.6 billion, a decrease of 7.9% over the same period of the prior year, driven by same store sales declines of 16.5% or 17% on a day's adjusted basis. Partially offset by contributions from new locations that had not been in operation for the full comparative period. Gross margin increased to 46.1% of sales compared to 45.5% in the comparative period. The gross margin percentage was positively impacted by higher labor margins as a result of the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy and a cautious approach to bringing back resources as revenue grew in the U.S., along with a favorable mix of retail glass sales and normal variability in DRP pricing. Operating expenses decreased 31.1 million when compared to the same period of the prior year, primarily due to COVID-19 related cost reductions, such as staffing reductions, salary and other compensation adjustments, and reductions to other variable expenses. Operating expenses benefited from the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy, recorded as an offset to applicable indirect wages. Adjusted EBITDA for the nine month period ended September 30th, 2020 was 215.1 million compared to 235.8 million in the same period of the prior year. The $20.7 million decrease was primarily the result of the business slowdown caused by the COVID-19 pandemic, including operating expenses that could not be mitigated. We reported net earnings of $36.7 million compared to $49.9 million in the same period of the prior year. Adjusted net earnings per unit decreased from $364 to $1.69 in adjusted net earnings per share. These amounts were significantly impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. At the end of the period, we had total debt net of cash of $672 million compared to 708.7 million at June 30th, 2020, 949.9 million at March 31st, 2020, and 893.2 million at the end of 2019. At the onset of the pandemic, we faced significant uncertainty regarding the extent and duration of the impact of COVID-19 on our business. In addition to acting quickly to reduce our expenses, we further address the uncertainty by drawing down on our credit facility and raising equity to ensure our balance sheet could withstand the impact of the pandemic and still be prepared for growth as conditions stabilized. As conditions have stabilized and the impact of COVID-19 has become better understood, Boyd has made repayments of $824.3 million during the nine months ended September 30th to reduce the level of outstanding debt. As a result of the adoption of IFRS 16, Boyd reported total debt, net of cash, including lease liabilities, of $672 million compared to $895 million as of September 30, 2019, and $893.2 million as of December 31, 2019. Based on the strength of and confidence in our business, we announced today that we are again increasing our dividend by 2.2% to 56.4 cents per share on an annualized basis from their present level of 55.2 cents, beginning in the fourth quarter of 2020. This is the 13th consecutive year that we have increased dividends to shareholders. During 2020, the company expects to make cash capital expenditures within the previously guided range of one6 to 1.8% of COVID-affected sales. This excludes those capital expenditures related to acquisition and development of new locations, the investment in LED lighting, and the investment in the expansion of the WOW operating way practices through the corporate applications and process improvement efficiency project. During the first nine months of the year, the company has invested approximately 3.5 million in LED lighting of a planned $5 million investment in order to reduce energy consumption and enhance the shop work environment. This investment will not only provide environmental and social benefits, but also achieve recreative returns on invested capital. Additionally, the company has begun to expand its while operating way practices to corporate business processes. The related technology and efficiency project will result in a total 9 to $10 million investment over the next 12 months and will also be expected to streamline various processes as well as generate economic returns after the project is fully implemented. This initiative began in the third quarter of 2020 and thus far has incurred nominal costs. Thus far, we've been able to successfully adjust and manage through the challenging situation that has arisen as a result of the COVID 19 pandemic. Our efforts have continued to deliver positive operating cash flow during the third quarter, notwithstanding the substantial decline in revenues caused by COVID 19. Following the pause on acquisition activity that occurred during the second quarter, we have added 11 locations during and subsequent to quarter end. On a year-to-date basis, we have thus far added 30 locations. As has been our practice, I would now like to comment on some potential for insider selling. With the recent changes to the economic and political environment that has translated into the potential for tax increases in the not-too-distant future, including taxes on capital gains, Some insiders may choose to sell some of their Boyd holdings in advance of any such tax increases. But in any event, will continue to hold ownership and Boyd shares at levels well above those required by the company's share ownership policies. The COVID-19 pandemic continues to impact our business. Thus far in the fourth quarter of 2020, same store sales activity has continued below normal levels although slightly better than reported in the third quarter, with both fewer miles traveled and reduced traffic congestion impacting accident frequency. In addition, the higher margin retail glass business, which had a favorable impact on our gross margin percentage in the seasonally high third quarter, is entering a seasonally slower period in the fourth quarter. The company will continue to make applications under the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy Program as long as it continues to meet eligibility requirements. However, changes have been made to the program such that the subsidy is now determined by a particular employer's revenue reduction percentage in each qualifying period, rather than providing a subsidy amount based on a minimum decline in revenues. This change, combined with some additional uncertainty, as to how the program will work beyond November 21st of 2020, will significantly reduce the subsidy subsidy that Boyd will be entitled to with respect to the fourth quarter of 2020 in comparison to both the second and third quarters of 2020. Overall, we are well positioned to navigate through this challenging environment, and we are pleased to announce our new five-year growth strategy. Our new growth strategy is to double the size of our business on a constant currency revenue basis from 2021 to 2025 based on 2019 revenues, implying an average annual growth rate of 15%. In order to achieve this, we will pursue accretive growth through a combination of organic or same-store sales growth, as well as adding new locations to our network in the United States and Canada. New location growth will continue to include single location acquisitions, as well as brownfield and greenfield startups and multi-location acquisitions. Additionally, to reduce volatility from exchange rates, effective January 2021, Boyd will begin reporting results in U.S. dollars. Given almost 90% of our revenues come from the U.S., this makes sense as an appropriate currency for reporting purposes. As always, operational excellence remains central to our business model and continuous improvement investment in our while operating way. We continue to work to drive excellence in repair quality, customer satisfaction, and repair cycle times to ensure the continued support of our insurance partners and vehicle owner customers. Additionally, the company has begun to expand its well-operating way practices to corporate business processes an initiative that began in the third quarter and is expected to streamline various processes as well as generate economic returns. In summary and in closing, I continue to be incredibly proud of the steps that we've taken to adjust to this new environment and position ourselves well for the future. We've been able to adjust our business to manage through this challenging situation. We continue to believe that there will be many opportunities that come from this crisis both internal external, and external, and we put ourselves in a good position to come out of this crisis as a stronger company. Our priorities remain taking care of the health and safety of our team members and customers, as well as preserving financial flexibility and preparing for the opportunities that lie ahead. With that, I would now like to open the call to questions. Operator?
1: At this time, I would like to advise everyone, in order to ask a question, please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Again, that is star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Our first question comes from the line of Steve Hansen with Raymond James. Please go ahead, your line is open.
3: Morning, Steve. Yeah, morning, guys. Um, Just Just one for me to start is on, um, I think your commentary seems to suggest um you know to be cautious on the gross margin going forward um you said not effectively not wanting us to extrapolate the recent performance given your you know bringing back resources more slowly i'm just trying to get a sense for now you've got two quarters in a row where you've probably outperformed most people's expectations but over what time frame should we expect those gross margins to get back to normal is it a quarter or two tim or is it three quarters i'm just trying to get a sense of that cadence
4: uh
2: steve we really haven't said, the the timing of I think the impact that you saw in the third quarter, and actually in the second quarter in part as well, uh, was a combination of a few things. We did eliminate lots of expense that that was difficult to sustain, and uh, we were slow to bring back some of that. Uh, A good example would be our apprenticeship program, uh, which we weren't growing at the rate that we'd expected to grow, but we now are full steam ahead on that and that does put some downward pressure on margin. The other uh, you know, key factor is the, the wage subsidy, the Canadian wage subsidy, was fairly meaningful in both Q2 and Q3. And, uh, and Q2 and Q3 are seasonally high for our glass business. And with lower collision sales and, and the glass business is a greater percentage of total sales, that has a lift on margin. Uh, so we won't get the benefit of the glass uh, seasonality in Q4, we also aren't anticipating the uh, the benefit of the Canadian wage subsidy, at least not at the level that we've seen. Uh, and uh, and we have brought back most of the resources and are really trying to move full steam ahead to, to manage the revenue that we have available. So hopefully that answers okay. your question.
3: Yeah, I know that's helpful. And, and just one follow-up on the, the strategic growth plan to double again, uh, quite bold. Uh, j- just curious if... You know, if you guys mapped out sort of that pace of acquisitions you need to make to get there over the five years um, and, and really, you know, over what cadence should we expect that to unfold? You've been relatively slow thus far, I'd say coming out of the trough relative to a few others. And so just trying to get a sense for, you know, whether you envision some bigger deals to happen in, amongst there, because um, if it's just smaller one offs, you're gonna have to really accelerate the pace. So just maybe walk us through how confident you are in meeting that plan. And whether it entails medium and or larger size
2: deals uh, within it. Thanks. Yeah, well, I'm, I feel very good about the opportunity that we have to achieve that goal. Uh, I wouldn't say that it's a quarter by quarter march toward that goal. There will be uh, periods of time when we grow much faster, maybe through you know, multiple MSO deals that happen over a successive period, as we've seen in the past. Um, but uh, but we're you know we're geared up and ready to grow both with single shops and MSO, uh, and the single shops will include, as we've done in the past, single shop acquisitions, but we'll also put some focus on greenfield and brownfield opportunities. Uh, So I I think that uh, I'm comfortable with our our strategy and the resources that we we have in place
5: to accomplish that. Steve, uh, if you look at it, you made a comment, it has been slow, and that was a choice we made. We paused because of the uncertainty relating to the COVID-19 pandemic. So we now publicly are stating, now that uh, we are pursuing, we are recommencing that the growth, and the industry is, is still highly fragmented, and we are well-positioned to consolidate. So we, we, are, we are very optimistic.
3: Okay. That's great, guys. Appreciate the time. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve.
1: Our next question comes from the line of Michael Dumay with Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Your line is open.
6: Hi, Michael. Hey, good morning, guys. <clears throat> Hi. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. I'd like to get a little bit more clarity on the comment regarding the sustainability of the cost actions taken in Q3. Um, I mean, just in terms of how we're supposed to interpret the comment around sustainability,
7: should we assume
6: that margins in Q3 um, as a percentage may have peaked, um, but the dollar profits should improve with volumes? I mean, that's another way. Should we expect revenues to come back faster than costs?
2: Well, I think one of the comments I made was that uh, we were slow to bring back resources as revenue ramped up in Q3. Uh, And uh, and if I had to do it over, I might not be as slow with bringing back those resources. Uh, So I think the Q3 benefited from a combination of things that I did describe, but one of them was uh, a slower response to bringing back resources just out of caution because we really didn't know exactly how the revenue would build gotcha that's
6: clear I and mean, maybe it's an offset just as a follow-on i mean if it were not for queues, um you know what would the um, the alternate cost actions that resulted in, in terms of uh cost reductions
2: uh michael we really haven't tried to assess that you know we had plans that we laid out at the uh, when the pandemic began and queues did allow us to avoid some furloughs or layoffs. Uh, but because the whole you know, situation evolved in terms of the the decline in revenue and how it ramped back up, we really don't have the, goal, the ability to go back and look at what might have happened had that not occurred. Yeah, that's fair. Okay,
6: and then just on the second question, I mean, obviously, we're not at the um, the acquisition pace. I guess it's that 15% CAGR. Um, I'd like to get your take on Maybe what you think are the main obstacles, or uh, what you think it would take to get back to that desired um, activity level.
2: Well, I think that we have a team that is prepared to accomplish the level of growth that uh, that's required to achieve that. Um, what you're seeing, or what you've seen in in 2020, was an intentional you know halt on growth, and what we kept you know, things that were in the pipeline warm. Mm-hmm. Uh, We've still been relatively cautious with acquisitions and integration. We are getting more comfortable with with doing more of the integration activity virtually and having limited resources on the ground. Uh, But but we're prepared to step up the pace and believe that we have the resources uh, available to us today uh, to get on the run rate to accomplish the five-year plan. Okay, great. All right, well, nice adjustment and good performance,
6: guys. Thank you. Thanks, Michael.
1: Our next question comes from the line of David Newman with Desjardins. Your line is open. Their line has disconnected. Please press star one if you would like to ask your question. Our next question comes from the line of Sean D. Nusra with Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead, your line is open.
8: Hey guys, thank you for taking my question. Uh, just going back to your five-year plan, you know, in terms of sort of doubling the revenue, as we think about the composition of that with with the, uh, acquisitions and then you know same-store sales, how should we think about the split? Should we go back to the prior five-year and you know is sort of the three and a half to four percent comp still the right way to think about it as as we look forward?
2: We we don't really provide specific guidance on that. Uh, but our growth plan includes both organic growth as well as uh, growth through new unit development, whether it's by acquisition or brownfield, greenfield. So uh, uh, what we're uh, what our plan really calls for is fifteen percent annual growth over that period of time, but without defining the organic versus uh, unit
5: growth.
8: I guess that's fair. I guess what I'm trying to understand is, you know, coming out of the pandemic, obviously that's a, that's sort of a big reality now. Do you see anything changing the underlying drivers of the industry uh, that we should consider, you know, let's just say that a vaccine comes out and things get back to normal. Do you see anything changing, you know, just the underlying dynamics of how we should be thinking about the core
5: group?
2: Um, I'm not sure I see anything significant. Obviously, this is such a disrupted year. We We would expect as we come out of the pandemic that our organic growth year over year would be substantially higher next year than you would normally see. But that's right. really a recovery as a result of COVID. But you know, it still remains to be seen what's going to happen with miles driven, with traffic congestion. Uh, but uh, despite all of that, I think we have an excellent opportunity to consolidate the industry and to you know, serve insurance clients and participate in the OE certification programs to help gain share as part of our overall uh, strategy toward growth.
8: Got it, and then a follow-up question. You guys talked about streamlining some corporate practices uh, briefly there. Can you perhaps throw some more light? Is what can we expect, you know, what sort of cost efficiencies uh, can you achieve there?
5: Uh, we have not uh, disclosed uh, the cost efficiencies relating to that yet. The only thing we disclose is uh, we'll be completing that uh, over the next 12 months, and also the cost associated with that. But you can certainly expect the benefits uh, potentially starting in 2022, uh, but we have not uh, disclosed that information yet, the magnitude of those benefits.
8: Got it. Thank you very much.
2: I think the one one thing we have said is we expect it to provide economic
5: returns. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a great investment uh, from that point of view. Absolutely. Great. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Our next question comes from the line of David Newman with Desjardins. Please go ahead. Your line is open.
5: Hi, David. Hi, David.
9: I got cut off there can you hear me yep yes okay very good um so great great set of results first off the top um just a couple of questions uh, one is on the on the margin front again i just want to look at a, a kind of a, a different way though uh do you think you'll revert to historic levels and coming out of the pandemic um do you think Boyd might look a little different uh, in terms of hub and spoke intake centers any permanent cost reductions or other identified efficiencies beyond the wow operating way in the corporate uh, corporate offices. Loaded of questions.
5: Yeah, I think uh, th- th- there are uh, multiple questions, uh, David. Mm-hmm. I think uh, so. If you, if you peel the onion, one is relating to the cost structure. The cost structure, as we commented, you know, you need to uh, normalize for the sous. And the second one is uh, relating to some of the staffing Tim uh, commented. So we, we might add back so to the taxi, It might put some pressure on the margins. And the third one is the mix between uh, the repair versus the uh, replace. Like a, when you have less pressure on labor, you, you tend to use more labor and that has higher margins. And as you come back full steam, that might change a little bit back. So th- those are the the. the the factors, I think, that, that might have uh, an impact on, on the margins. So I'm going to revert back to the 45.5 in the range so that we cannot answer. We don't provide guidance on those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll be striving hard you know, to, uh, to enhance the EBITDA margins. And again, we don't want to get specific about uh, the gross margins or the OPEXs, but our, our focus is to enhance uh, the EBITDA margins over a period of time.
9: Okay, and just more of a high level though, I mean, this, this pause from the pandemic, it's afforded many companies a, a chance to kind of really look, look at what they're doing and how they do it. Was there any revelations for you guys in terms of uh, you know, how you were operating or uh, any changes? I know you're very, very efficient. But was there any, any – identi- did you identify any, anything that, was, that could be used go forward?
5: Absolutely. I think like in terms of the practices, I think we, we, we told in the past, I think like we'll be increasing our focus on the dealer intake centers. So I think that is certainly one thing. And also like we looked at our cost structure and we, we found uh, some opportunities to consolidate uh, some of the functions and derive synergies related to those things. And again, we, we have not disclosed those things, but yeah, in fact, uh, so we, we have done and we are doing those things.
9: Okay. And uh, the, any benefit from the right-to-repair law that was recently passed? I know you already have a pre- and post-diagnostics, but anything at the margin, any benefits that you guys can see?
2: I, I don't think there's an immediate benefit on that, although that was an important uh, an important decision for the automotive aftermarket. Uh, so I think that uh, Massachusetts intended to, to lead the way on legislation like that. So I view that as favorable for the, uh, for the aftermarket.
9: Okay, and last one for me, guys. A U.S. dollar reporting. Um, is this, do you think, eventually a lead into to potentially dual-listed?
5: Uh, that, I think, you know, we'll make that call at the appropriate time. I think, you no, know, we are uh, uh, doing this uh, to reduce the volatility uh, because of the exchange rates. Makes sense. Thanks, gentlemen. Thanks, David. Thank you, David.
1: Our next question comes from the line of Maggie McDougall with Stiefel. Please go ahead, your line is open.
0: Good morning.
5: Hi, Maggie.
0: Uh, Quick question on your intentions to extend the WOW operating way into your corporate culture and and operations. Um, The investment or the the cost for that, is that um, actually an investment in systems, or is that more of a restructuring cost? And then secondly, um, could you provide us a bit of detail in terms of what you plan on implementing corporately? Uh, I can imagine that your on-the-floor shop operations implementation of WOW is gonna be quite a bit different from what you're gonna be doing in your in your back office. So we'll be curious um, exactly what you have planned there. Thank you.
5: Sure, yeah, The are two things. One is that uh, you're right, the WOW operating way we have implemented in operations is so different, and uh, that is a, that's an ongoing process, but uh, we embarked on that Four or five years ago, whereas this this was started in Q3 and the focus is on uh, finance, human resources, uh, procurement, and areas like that, the strategic support services and the uh, corporate functions, and the investments mm-hmm. of nine to ten million dollars we have identified do include uh, systems. Uh, uh, so we are implementing a, a system, and it, the, that investment is a part of that. Okay.
0: And, uh, you know, it sounds to me as so though this may be something that will help you scale over the next five years as you work towards your your new um, revenue target goal. Is this uh, the type of thing that could enhance operating efficiencies as you continue to add businesses to your platform, or is it uh, simply going to be removing a bit of excess cost or creating some new efficiencies within your
5: experience? No, no. I think the, the, the one of the reasons we are uh, implementing this system is to scale up because we do have ambitious plans to grow the business and this provides the right platform to enable that growth. So, in addition to that, certainly, now we are going to realize the cost synergies as Tim pointed out. Now, we are looking for an attractive return investor capital.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then just with regards to the competitive landscape, uh, wondering if you could provide any insight into how it may have shifted or changed given the unusual circumstances of this year. It's obviously been a challenging year for the collision industry in terms of demand. Um, You guys and others, I imagine, have navigated it very efficiently. Um, Have you seen this sort of increased pressure on the single store operators? Uh, Has there been, you know, a a multiplier um, in terms of benefit to the larger groups, given that the balance sheet stability you have is is superior and and you have been able to navigate this challenge so well?
2: Maggie, I think it's – we've commented on this in the prior quarter as well. Uh, Immediately after the pandemic, there was a, a fairly significant amount of support in the U.S. provided to small businesses, that really allowed uh, those that may have been undercapitalized to get through it uh, pretty well. Uh, I think our industry also has demonstrated uh, a reasonable ability to uh, to manage its cost structure effectively, uh, and even to generate positive cash flow in a uh, in a tough revenue environment. Uh, having said that, I think that uh, over time there could be more single shops of, that are. Uh, motivated to sell as a result of what we've gone through or what we're going through, um, mm-hmm. we're still in the early stages, I'd say, of that. But uh, but I'm optimistic that we'll see you know, good opportunities to come from this.
9: Okay,
0: thanks very much, guys. Have a nice day. Thanks,
2: Maggie. Thanks, Maggie.
1: Our next question comes from the line of Brett Jordan with Jeffries. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Hey, good
4: morning, good morning guys. Brett. Good morning, Brett. When you look at the
10: the, the pandemic and I guess the last maybe four or five months did you see a spike in total loss rates that compounded the impact on your on the negative comp I I guess if you could sort of carve out any kind of short-term change in the insurance company's uh, thoughts here and then I guess the second question I'll ask it all at once as you look at the DRP impact versus OE certification, you know, given your scale and relationships with both OE and insurance companies, which of those do you see as a bigger driver going forward, you know, in the consolidation of volumes to major players?
2: Well, on the first question, Brett, with regard to total losses, I, I think we rely on the data that CCC publishes for that. Uh, and, you know, most total losses don't get to a collision repair shop. They, it will declared, you know, would be declared, The insurance companies are motivated to to identify those as total losses before they get to a shop. Um, So we wouldn't necessarily see an increase in total loss rates in our operations, but CCC has reported an increase in total losses. Um, Used car values are a driver of that, as you know, and uh, used car prices initially went down because of oversupply, but they've uh, since returned to actually pretty solid levels. So that's a favorable trend for us. Um, but uh, but total loss rates have been creeping up over the past several years, and uh, and it may well be that they continue to do that. On the balance between DRP and OE certifications, I actually think that, uh, that we uh, – there is balance between that. We've invested in many OE certification programs to date. We expect to continue to grow our portfolio of OE certifications and view that as important. Uh, Most insurers today do not refer business based on an OE certification program, and most OEs today don't play a significant role in where cars get repaired, but I think there's the potential for both insurers to recognize certifications and for OEs to play a greater influence on where cars go. So that's, that's the reason that I think we'll maintain strong direct repair relationships, but also continue to invest in the equipment and training and you know, process is necessary for all these certifications. Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks, Brian.
1: Our next question comes from the line of Zachary Evershed with National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Your line is open.
9: Good morning, everyone. Congrats on the quarter. Good Thanks, morning, uh, So looking at the potential growth drivers we have same store sales growth obviously but then we have the acquisitions greenfields and brownfields how do the returns compare on an acquisition at typical prices versus a greenfield and versus a brownfield I guess w-
2: we we would generally expect greenfield and brownfield acquisitions or a growth to have a higher return on capital than single shop uh, So, we haven't, uh, I think we've provided information in the past. Well, Pat, do you want to
5: comment on that? Yeah, I think in terms of relatively, if you look at the four buckets, I think the same store sales growth has the highest contribution margin. And then you have the the brownfield greenfields, and the third one is the single shops, and the last one is the MSOs. But instead of purely the ROIC, one has to look at the strategic uh, value these things bring. So, the MSOs may have lower, but it, it does have a, uh, it does add strategic benefits uh, for our platform. So so you have to factor that in. But in of magnitude, that's how they stack up.
9: That's helpful, thanks. And given the current environment, how easily do you think you can staff green fields and brown, brown fields with technicians?
2: Uh, uh, I, I don't think, I don't view that to be an exceptional challenge. I mean, it, it is uh, probably easier to attract Staff into a you know a newer facility with you know very current equipment um so we don't view that it it will require effort on our part, but we're prepared to make that effort That's great thanks helpful. I'll turn it over.
5: Thank you.
1: Our next question comes from the line of Jonathan Lemares with bmo Please go ahead. Your line is open.
5: Good morning, Jonathan Good morning, Jonathan.
6: Good morning, thanks for taking my question. Um, just following up on that last discussion on the Greenfield store plans, uh, can you comment as to whether you've secured a real estate development partner to uh, assist you with that? Uh, we,
2: we have various options with that. So it's certainly not a barrier for us in terms of uh,
5: that
10: method of growth. When should we be thinking about um, those
6: greenfield stores uh, beginning to be implemented and thinking about working those into our forecasts?
5: We already started uh, focusing on the brownfield greenfield. In fact, uh, before the COVID hit, we we slightly started, but we will uh, increase the focus. And as you know, it's going to take time. Unlike the acquisitions which will hit ground running, so this is a start of phase. Uh, but as I said, we don't have, we, we are not uh, providing any specific goal, but uh, that, that's part of the mix. So we are going to evaluate the opportunities. So if we find Brownfield Greenfield to be more meaningful in a strategic location than acquiring a shop, then we would do it. So that's how we are going to evaluate. So it, it's going to be part of the mix. It's uh, one of the arrows in the quiver to facilitate the growth.
6: Okay, and last topic, on the Q3 same store sales, it seems the U.S. business is well outperforming uh, the industry claims volumes. Um, Can you offer any comments as to what you would attribute that to, whether it's higher industry severity rates, market share gains for Boyd's shops, or both?
2: It's it's probably a combination of that. Those are pretty difficult numbers for us to clearly assess, Uh, but we… We do believe we've gained some share. You know, we have strong direct repair relationships with our insurance clients. Um, there is also a component of severity uh, of the average cost of repair, which has been you know, creeping up over the years, and, and that's continued even through 2020 based on the data we see. So it's a it's a combination of those. Great. Thanks for your comments. Thanks,
6: General.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Steve Hansen with Raymond James. Please go ahead. Your line is open.
3: Oh, hey, guys. Just a quick follow-up, if I may. Um, First is on the fourth quarter, same-store sales trend. You commented, Tim, that things are trending slightly better than the third quarter print. But I'm just just curious if if you've seen any fade at all in the activity pattern uh, through November as we start here. Some of the industry data suggests that things are a little bit softer here
2: yeah i think the the only comment we're really providing is a historical look back. so up through uh the very recent time, we've seen a slight improvement from where we were in q three but it's pretty difficult to predict exactly what will happen over the next you know seven weeks with uh with, obviously there's a pretty significant increase in in the pandemic and the impact of the pandemic but uh we we don't don't really have any other guidance for what the balance of Q four may look like. Okay, great. That's
3: fine. Um, and just one point of clarification on the five-year target, just make sure I've got the language correct. It, it, it sounds like you're using 2019 as the baseline for your five-year doubling. In other that's words, correct. 2020 is
2: almost a throw-out year in a way. Right. Yeah, that's, that's sort of how we're viewing it, Steve, is that, uh okay. we're basing, basing the targets on
9: 2019
2: revenue. And I that good.
10: Tim, it's Brock. Just, just maybe a comment to add on that, uh, based on some of the earlier questions that sort of intimated that we were behind the curve against that growth trajectory. Well, we're really not behind because the measurement period really hasn't started yet. The measurement period is 2021 through 2025, um, and just as we are basing the baseline on 2019 we we really have and, and 2020 is therefore a throwaway year from a baseline perspective it's also a throwaway year from a growth perspective so i i just wanted to i think i thought it was important to point out that the measurement period that that the five-year period that we are giving ourselves to achieve this growth really doesn't kick in till 2021.
3: you know that's Good commentary. That's helpful, guys. Okay, appreciate the time. Uh, great results. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve.
1: Our next question comes from the line of Matt Bank with CIBC. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Good
9: morning, Matt. I'm in. Morning. Uh, I want to clarify, um, make sure that I understood a comment you made earlier on, on the call. It sounded kind of like you said that even after you know officially restarting MA and doing some of it, you were cautious on deals but now you are ready to pick up the pace. Is that, is that a fair way of, of, of hearing it? And then can you just also comment on the on on the pipeline, um, you know, and the, and the M&A opportunities available to you and how that looks versus, you know, what you would have seen pre-COVID? Well, on, on your first question, Matt, I think we are prepared to pick
2: up the pace. I would say, you know, we still need to be, aware of the fact that the number of COVID cases is increasing and we have a responsibility to keep our team safe. Uh, so you know, if the environment were to uh, make it more difficult, we could slow down some things for that reason. But well, we're prepared to to pick up the pace. In terms of the pipeline, I, I would say we're comfortable that, uh, that our pipeline has, uh, as we've communicated in the past, we think we have a, a strong pipeline of potential opportunities to pursue and, and that that should not be a barrier to
5: achieving our plan. Matt, uh, our focus is for the longer term, so you, you may see a slightly different pace in the very short term. That's why we're providing the guidance for five years starting 2021. And we're very confident about uh, uh, achieving those, those goals. That's it for
9: me. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks Matt.
5: Matt.
1: Our next question comes from the line of Chris Murray with AltaCorp. Your line is open. Yeah, good
4: Hi, morning, Chris. Folks. Hi. Um, Hi, Chris. You know, I guess maybe my question is thinking a, bit, a little bit about the strategic plan. And, you know, you've talked about the five-year revenue target. Um, but what I was also curious about um, is thinking about the composition of how you're going to build that revenue. And you've talked about, you know, certainly same-store sales and, and And store acquisitions, but just wondering about things like you know how how you're going to be thinking about things like um, intake centers, cost management, and and what I'm really trying to understand is you know should we expect not necessarily the revenue growth number you know we can kind of get there, but the quality of earnings over that period? How do you think that that's going to evolve? I'm
2: I'm not sure I completely understand the. Well, is there anything you can do as you
4: grow that revenue to improve the margin profile of the company, other than just straight-up absorption? Yeah. Uh, I,
2: uh, I think that we'll have to see what the market gives us the opportunity to do on that, Chris. I think the you know, in the collision repair business right now, uh, parts as a percentage of total mix has been increasing because of your know, greater part content as well as higher part prices. Uh, and, as you know, our parts margins uh, tend to be lower than our labor margins, or they are lower than our labor margins. On the other hand, uh, I think there are opportunities for additional labor operations, uh, particularly as it relates to you know, ADAS, uh, that could help to offset that. Uh, and then, obviously, we, we're looking for organic sales growth that would drive you know, maybe not gross margin improvement, but EBITDA margin improvement. Uh, to help us improve our you know, profitability during that planning horizon, I don't know if that answers your question, but
4: yeah, and just and just maybe you know any thoughts around um, you know do you do you try to look to accelerate you know using intake centers which generally bias your margins one way or another or anything like that and your and and again the I guess the other piece is um, you know your involvement with DRP programs or do you do something different there as well.
2: Well, we, I don't see any significant change in our involvement with direct repair programs. I think those are uh, I mean, those are a key source of, of our revenue and delivering value to our clients from that standpoint. I do think intake centers is something that we will uh, continue to pay attention to. We have been, and we will continue to do that. That's a, a good driver for organic growth. Uh, and uh, But I, I don't think it changes the overall profit profile beyond... Know, driving organic growth and, uh, and you know, using DRPs and operational excellence to drive further organic growth. Okay.
5: That's fair. Thanks, folks. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris.
1: There are no further questions at this time. I will now turn the call back to Tim O'Day.
2: Very good. Thank you, operator. And thank you all, once again, for joining our call today. We look forward to reporting our fourth quarter and year-end results in March of next year. Thanks, and have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone.
1: This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for your participation. You may now
0: disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's Investor Relations section on their website. See you next time.